Hallelujah. Uh, greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our broadcast this morning. If you don't mind, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 19. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19, it reads as follows in the translation I have here. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you until, until morning. No, sorry. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I'll go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Then when I observe, then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought about great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill without cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul saw as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we humbly come before you. We humbly come to the throne room of grace, thanking you for the opportunity to minister your word. It is not by might nor by power. It is by your Holy Spirit. It is by your grace. Father, we thank you that through this word, uh, people will still experience their breakthroughs, their deliverance. They'll still ex experience whatsoever you have proposed for them this morning. And Father, may you speak to us through my lips this morning. I yield myself to your influence and the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I pull down every thought and imagination that's exalting itself above the knowledge of who, of who Christ is in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So I won't be long uh, this morning. Hopefully, I'll just be short and to the point. Uh, the title for our message this morning is Unusual Advantage. Unusual Advantage. Why I chose it, I really don't know. But I think it sounds good. Unusual Advantage. Uh, because this is a time or this is the moment uh, or this is a season whereby people feel at, uh, disadvantaged. But I'm here to just say to you, actually, in this season where you feel disadvantaged, you might be set or positioned for unusual advantage. Sometimes we get advantage from the setbacks we experience or we get advantage from the disadvantages that we experience or we get the advantage from the sufferings that we experience. So that's where I'm coming from. I just want to give you a different uh, perspective of how life is. Most people or most often people complicate life. Life is very easy. It's very easy to live life and to live a successful life. It's a very, very, very easy thing. But people like complex things. I really, really don't know why we like complicating things, but none of my business. Let me just show you how simple it is anyway. Right. 
First of all, you have heard it that your network, your net work determines your net worth. You have heard that, isn't it? Especially from uh, motivational speakers. You have even heard it from the pulpit, from our fellow ministers. And uh, I believe people mean well, and I believe probably the statement is correct in the context that it was uttered in. But uh, in the context of my message, and in the context of a simple life, I'll just like to challenge the statement and say, your network does not determine your net worth. I'm going to repeat. Your network does not determine your net worth. Your network does not determine your net worth. Now, let's go back to the scripture that we read. That's the thought I just want to leave in your head as I'm going to labor to just show you that it, it's something else that can determine your net worth. And that, that is what I'm talking about, unusual advantage. So the story that we read uh, this morning, it's a wonderful story or an interesting story or it's a powerful story. Yeah? We see three characters, really. We see Saul, we see his son Jonathan or Jonathan and we see David so Saul is a father to Jonathan but Jonathan is a friend to David but Saul is a king of Israel but David is a king elect for Israel so this is a wonderful story so one is in charge but the other one is standing in line to become the next king and don't forget now Jonathan Technically, it's supposed to be the next in line, but that's not the case in the scripture. It's David who's going to be the next in line. Now, when you read from the first verse, the father, which is Saul, wanted to kill David because of jealousy issues. Of course, it was church members who created this jealousy. They attributed 10,000 to, 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 uh, to David and 1,000 to, uh, to, to, to Saul. You know, what, uh, you know what, maybe just to take a deviation, stop comparing people. You create jealousy, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah and glory to God. Amen. So, 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 but the point here is Saul became jealous of David and he wanted to kill him. He wanted to get him out of the way. And... Um, but because David had a good relationship or he had a solid relationship or his friendship with Jonathan was so strong that Jonathan, when he was told or informed, when he had the inside info about what is about to happen to David, Jonathan did not rejoice that, aha, I will be the next in line if David is out of the way. Remember, Jonathan is supposed to be somebody who should be saying, yes, dad, when can we do this? Because then I'm guaranteed to be the next one in line. But guess what? He goes to David and warns him that be careful. There's a bullet assigned for your head. Be careful about your moves. And you know what? I'll give you inside info. I'll tell you what is planned. I'll give you the details, okay, so that you can be safe. That's great friendship. So maybe what you need to highlight here, friendship is key. Friendship is key. Then you read uh, the story here, and then Jonathan goes to his father. He puts his life on the line and says, look, Dad, I don't think it's a good idea to kill this young man 
David, this young man brought you victory. This young man is the one who killed the Philistine. He's the one who killed Goliath. He brought great deliverance for the nation. Therefore, dead, let us not kill uh, David. Let us not do it. Let us not sin against uh, David. And guess what? The father, which is Saul, listened to what the son, which is Jonathan, said about the friend, which is David, and Saul retreated and never wanted to kill David, at least for a short while. Mm -hmm. You know, jealousy comes back. So, but anyway, but for a short period, at least, uh, Saul did not want to kill uh, David. Now, from this story that I read for you, you will begin to learn important principles that I'm about to share. The first one, of course, your network does not determine your network. Friendship does. All right? Anyway, you'll see, you'll see what I'm about to say. It is not in the number of connections or friends. It is not the number of your connections, of you know, your network or your friends. It is not. Actually, it's of no value. It is the quality of friends and family that matters. I'm going to repeat. It is the quality of friends and family that may so. Even family is not just about family. It is the quality of the relationship you have with the family that you have. It is the quality of the relationship you have with your friend. And therefore, it is the quality of the network you have that matters. It is your personal responsibility to nature relationships in your close circle so that they become of quality. So it's not accumulating business cards and accumulating phone numbers and accumulating uh, 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 mileages traveling and accumulating calories sitting in restaurant uh, with friends. That's not the point. The point is you must nurture relations. And nurturing relations is totally different from what we do as I will show you as we continue. So people who will set you up for promotions are not necessarily the people you perceive to be the one assigned by God to set you up for promotion. However, the people who will most certainly set you up for promotion that will take you to levels that you have never been are the people that you least expect. In fact, it is the people that you despise most certainly. It is people that you don't even look at. I'm going somewhere with this. Now, let's consider Ruth. Ruth and Naomi, rather. Ruth was a Moabite woman. And Ruth was a woman from Judah or from Bethlehem. And she had went to the land of Moab because of uh, 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 her relationships uh, there and stuff. But there, come, uh, there came a point that this poor woman, Naomi, lost everything, lost her sons, lost her husband, lost everything. And she had to go back to the land of Israel, uh, uh, to Bethlehem and stuff like that. And she has two daughters-in-law who don't have husbands. 
and these daughters-in-law, uh, it's Opa and Ruth. And uh, they followed her. They wanted to go with her, but she persuaded them. And Opa soon realized that the old woman is making sense. Then she turned back. Different sto strokes for different people. But however, Ruth looked and assessed the situation carefully. And she realized this is the one to keep. She has nothing, but I think there is something. And she said to Ruth, I am not going anywhere. No, she said to Naomi, I am not going anywhere. I am going with you where you land and stay. I am going to land and stay there. Your people are going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. And we are going to eat the same food. Me and you are one. This is more like a Jonathan uh, David uh, David relationship. That the bond is strong. It's the it's the quality. It's the strength of the bond here. Hallelujah! That I'm trying to emphasize. But now, when you look how this story turns around. Ruth later on, when you read scriptures, even when you read the book of Matthew, is is actually the great, 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 great uh, grandmother to the Lord Jesus Christ. As a foreign woman, she made it to the books or to the history books of Israel. She was not part of the Commonwealth of Israel, but she became part. But how did she become part? She became part because of the strong relationship with a woman who actually didn't look like she had anything. But what happened when they were in the land of Israel or in Bethlehem, it was not Ruth who made things happen. It was this woman who had nothing, who orchestrated things in the background on the behalf of Ruth. So it was not a big shot from big circles, but it was this young, frail, rather this old, frail woman who had lost everything, who orchestrated the success for Ruth. So it is a principle here. Your success is most certainly going to be orchestrated by the people you least expect. And sometimes it could even be people who are despised. It could be people who don't necessarily have nothing to offer. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll prove what I'm trying to say. Look at another story of Mordecai and Esther, for example. Mordecai was the uncle to Esther. Esther was an orphan. But everything here, if you look, it was Mordecai who raised Esther. It was Mordecai who taught Esther the principles of life. But not only that, he was the engineer of Esther ascending to becoming a queen in that land. The uncle. The emphasis here now is uncle. It was a friend, Jonathan and David, and with Ruth and Naomi, mother-in-law. Now with Mordecai and Esther, we are talking uncle. I don't know if you are following where I'm going. Right. Now, consider another story, Laban and Jacob. We can get, go deep into this, but the point with Laban and Jacob, Laban was the uncle to Jacob. And it was Laban that opened a small door or opened an opportunity for the young Jacob to become who he is today. 
Yes, the story is very chuckered and not very rosy, but the fact is Laban had to welcome Jacob in his family to set the wheel in motion for the success Yeah, Jacob. I hope you are following where we are going. Now, I want to invite you back to 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 5. 1 Samuel 19, verse 5. Let's read it. For he took his life in his hand and struck the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will, will you sing against innocent blood by putting David to death without a cause? Here's my point. Very seldom that those at the top will pull you up unless you have something to trade. I'm going to repeat. Very seldom those who are at the top will pull you up unless you have something to trade. David, his claim to fame in the life of Saul was his victory against the Philistine, which is Goliath. Except for that, Saul did not need David. So David was always good to Saul as long as he brought him glory and brought him victory. But not for David to ascend and overtake him. No, 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 no. Saul does not want that. Saul wants to be number one. You, David, must be number two. So what I'm trying to say here, nothing against anyone. Those at the top want to remain at the top. They don't want you to be top with them. They want you to be number two. And that is why, like I said last week, they won't invite you into the conference. You will drive them to the conference. You wait in the car. But if they wanted you to be at the top, they should grab you by the hand, pay for you, and attend the conference. You know that. Most, most people drive prominent people. It's not like you don't want to go inside. They leave you in the car. When they have meetings in the restaurants, you stay at the parking lot with a car. He has the business meetings. If he had your interest at heart, he will go to the meeting with you, with his fancy friends and important friends, because you are his aide. If he really wants you to advance, even in the ministry, those who really want the youngsters to do well, they won't leave them behind when important decisions are taken. Good example, maybe I'm venting now. Good example, during this time of corona, decisions are made for, uh, on the behalf of the church. I'm just asking myself how many young people like me are being brought in into the space to contribute in making the decisions. It's always the gray-haired people and not, you know, black-haired people like myself and any other young people. What I'm trying to say, if people want others to advance, they should be dragging young people into the spaces. They should be dragging the weak one into the spaces. Parents should be taking kids to work so that they can see. Parents should be taking kids to their classrooms if they're still studying. You should be exposing. So, But what I'm trying to say, seldom are those who are at the top uh, uh, create opportunities for you to be exposed as them. They, will, they won't even want you to read the same books as they read. Because there is a reason. You must be number two. 
But now, why I'm saying these things? Because I want to drive your attention and stop making mistakes that we have done for most of our lives. I've done those mistakes. I thought my keys to success is chasing those who have done well. But I have quickly learned that that's not the case. What's important is to chase those who are in your circle already, not who are outside. That is why I shared those stories. Ruth chapter 1 verse 16. But Ruth said, Do not argue me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my, uh, uh, my God. As somebody, if you want to strategically position yourself, have the ability to discern greatness even when it's not visible. Ruth discerned greatness in the life of Naomi. She says, I will even trade my gods of Moab. Yes, you are not a big shot. Yes, you don't have everything I want, but I have seen something in you. I know you are my key to success. What am I trying to say? Unusual advantage requires that you cleave to the unlikely source of promotion. The people around you, not far away from you, around you. If I may talk to somebody, stop chasing people who are far away from you. There's a reason why they are far away from you, because they have nothing to do with your destiny. But those God who, whom he has brought around you is for a purpose and embrace them and not look down on them. I'm about to throw in a big one for you. Just wait a little minute. For example, the first miracle that Jesus did in Cana, according to the book of John chapter 2, the mother said to those people who were around, do whatever my son asks you to do. Even when Jesus said, it's not my time, she told the people, do whatsoever my son asks you to do. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus the Christ, believed in the calling of Jesus before it was obvious to anyone. She even kept and kept notes about how unique and special Jesus was. We make the mistake and now let me talk to the young one and the children. These are the mistakes that some of us and most people have made and they don't have to be repeated. Never look down on your mother. This is Mother's Day. Never look down on your mother. She might not be as educated as you are, but she believes in you. She knows your potential. She knows how hard you can, but not only that, she is ready and willing to invest and to impact something that people at the top will never do. They don't believe in you unless you have something to trade, unless you are already a finished product. That's when they believe in you. But your mother, way before anybody can see your abilities, they believe in you. Happy Mother's Day, mothers. And you children with the mothers, say Happy Mother's Day to them. So I'm saying never neglect them. Yes, they didn't go to school, some of them. Some of them, they don't have your master's or honors degree or PhD. You have never looked down on them. They raised you up. They know life. They understand life. And they will back you up. They will pray for you. They, they will orchestrate things at the background to see you succeed. Therefore, the amount of time 
And the amount of money you spend chasing network, spend it on those close to you. Maybe your mother in this case. Hallelujah. Spend it, not just mothers, your father too. You have to change the way you do things because these are people who will believe in you. I can tell you now. Let me just take a pause before I finish up this message. As I told you, and I'll repeat, I know a lot of prominent people in this country. When I'm talking prominent, I mean really prominent. I'm not even talking politicians. I'm talking business people. Really big, big people. They have no interest unless they see an opportunity for them in you. They have no interest. They're minding their own business. They are always looking for somebody who can help them get even further in life. I, I can prove it. Give you my phone, you can see. They, as soon as they realize they can get something, they'll invite you to their houses. Actually, I visited a few, and by the time I, fin I finished the meeting in their houses, you know what, I concluded, this guy actually has nothing for me. He wants something from me, and guess what? I never go back there because... I'm not there. I want somebody who can propel me up. I don't want somebody who's going to suck me dry, who's happy while I'm using taxis or using an entry-level car while he, he flies around. Get the point. Your mother will never do that. Your father will never do that. Happy Mother's Day once more again. So never despise your parents. Never despise your mother. Never despise your uncle who raised you. That's why I shared the story. But not only that, never despise your closest friends. I'm getting somewhere now. So the distant, prominent people who are, whom we are naturally attracted to due to their achievements very seldom pull us up. You can go and model data. It's a fact. Very seldom. You help them go up. Look at ShopRite. The owners there are highly successful. Who's pushing ShopRite up? Who's making the owners of ShopRite highly successful? Must I tell you, it's the poor people who are pushing ShopRite up. So be careful. There is power on people at your level. If you can create a ShopRite, I don't know. Let me leave that. But I think you get the point. I'm going somewhere here. I know this is very radical and it's live and everybody's hearing this, but this is coming from my heart because we make mistakes all the time, we neglect the most important people around us who can get us there. Hallelujah. Now, people don't back ideas. They back the person behind the idea. I'm now, I'm now, I'm now coming to the point. I'm getting to the point. I'm, let me repeat. People don't back ideas. They back the person behind the idea. You might have a business concept. You might have a business idea. That idea will never be backed by anyone if they don't know you well. Now, who knows you well? It's your mother, if you still have a mother. It is your father, if you still have a father. It is your sisters, if you have sisters. It is your brothers, if you have brothers. It is your friends. It is your uncle. These are the people who know you well. These are people who know that you can pull it off or not. And therefore, when you have an idea, people who can buy into your idea are those people. The prominent person, even the bank, when they look at you, they say, this is a good idea. It is bankable, but this guy is not bankable because we don't know you. And that is why they'll do research about you first. 
<laughs> okay, let's, let's go there. Now, this is what they say in business and entrepreneurship. We don't bet on the horse. We bet on the jockey. It's very important. We don't look at the horse. We look at who's riding the horse. Why? Because we know the rider. We don't know the horse. We can predict what the rider can do, but not the horse. And that is why these people, your uncle, family, all those with friends, they know you well. I'm going something. And this is a Jesus sermon, by the way. I'm getting to the point. I'm getting to the Jesus part. So hang on there. Hang on. This is not motivation. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a Jesus preacher. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus. I'm going somewhere with this. So no business idea or concept is so big that it does not need a person to succeed. Always a jockey is required and an investor is required. So the person behind the idea determines its success. The person behind it. And that is why it's so important to listen to what I'm trying to say. So the best people to bet on the jockey are the ones who know the jockey. That's profound. Nothing better than that really. Now, in business, or I learned this from business school, I was not aware, but it's all over the internet. They say it's family, friends, and fools who will back you. So your unlikely source of promotion, it's your family, it is your friends. By fools, we mean people who will take that gamble about you. They are very rare, by the way. So your family and your friends, they have your best interests at heart. As I've already mentioned, I have uh, two examples for you quickly. I've learned Mr. Aliko Dangote of Dangote Corporation or Dangote Group in Nigeria. That's the richest man in our continent, Africa. I never thought I would mention these people. I don't know if he's a person of faith or not. But for him to start his business venture back in the 70s, he got his initial loan his startup capital from his uncle. He's the richest person in this continent. Not from the bank, not from the <laughs> networks that he made from conference. It was from the man who raised him from age eight. When he was eight, he, he, he lost his father. Then his uncle raised him. So that man, his uncle, he knew the potential the young man had. And no wonder he was willing to put his money on him. There's a secret to success. Now, the other person I'll mention today, I never thought, I tried to, to avoid it last week. I just told you about him without mentioning his name. Mr. Warren Buffett, uh, one of the greatest investors to ever live. He, he founded a company, investment company, back then in, in the, back, back, back then. He's an old man. It is one of the most sustainable companies. His initial capital to start what? he has achieved today came from family and friends. Now, another one, it's not on your screen. The founder of Nike, his founder has always been his father. For years, he'll always go back to his father for another loan and another loan and another loan. Look at Nike today. It's a global brand. I'm trying to show you something that you want to be successful. You spend most of your time chasing things that don't matter. Spend more time with those who are close to you. There's a reason why they are close to you. So therefore, what am I trying to say? You only neglect strong family ties and friends at your own peril. 
In most cases, it is your family, it is your friends, and it is your mother in particular who will believe in your unpolished abilities. Other people outside this circle I've many mentioned, they want you when your abilities have been proven. That is why before they give you a job, you must demonstrate you are able to learn. You must show them that I have at least have a four-year degree. Your parents believe in you before you even have a degree. <laughs> so to have an unusual advantage, never neglect family and friends. You, you, you take any prominent legitimate person, I can tell you at the background, it has always been either family or friends. It's outliers that really relied on outside the circle. So don't make the unnecessary mistake of seeking connection that might not bear fruit. You have the connections. Acknowledge these connections. Embrace them. Everyone you need to become is already in your circle. Acknowledge them and reap the benefit. We are about to read one more scripture and then we close the service and I tell you how this ties up with Jesus. Let me share a short testimony. There are no details. I started this ministry, is it 2014 or 2015? I forgot. Uh, that's no longer important. What's important, it's an up and running, well-oiled machine, I think, and I want to believe. We are still standing during this time of coronavirus. What you don't know, people who really believed in this ministry before they even had me preach was my late father, is my mother, but not only that. Those are unlikely sources. My father said, as soon as you have 10 people, we're ready for Garek. Don't need any validation. He said that to me. Once you have 10 people, Wanaka, umuruti tralape. Armaraopalo tola 10 people, kuchu hamuruti. I've exceeded 10. So <laughs> he, he, he told me. He actually, okay, let's leave that one. I'll tell you another day. <laughs> he believes so much in me. And so is my mother. But now, the other unlikely source, believe it or not, I stay with that source. It's my wife. Happy Mother's Day to my wife today, Chabuse. She believes in what I'm doing. And that is why she's always here with me. I'm just trying to show you that you don't have to go to conferences. If you have a wife, she's there. She believes in you. <laughs> but not only that, let me throw in another one. It is my, fr my wife's friends that believe in my ability. It is them. If I was to pick up top five believers of this ministry, and supporters, not just believers, people who are visible supporting this. I can tell you, probably two or three are my wife's friends. Literally so. I don't know if you get what I'm trying. I'm going somewhere here. So you don't have to look outside. You, everything you need to get there is with you. Everything you don't need is not with you. <laughs> so you're wasting precious resources seeking things that will never get you anywhere. If, the, if those things worked, everybody should be successful. How many conferences have you attended? How many seminars have you attended, including ministry ones? And they don't get you anywhere. You become a statistics that we attract so many people in our conferences. And they don't propel you. Well, I don't have to attend a conference with my mother. I don't have to schedule a meeting with my mother. I just rock up like I'm about to do now. I'm just going to go and see. That, that, that's how easy it is. I don't need an appointment with my wife. I just show up. Ah, we are going somewhere. So, so, but not only her friends. It is my friends 
that support my ministry. So, and that's my circle. So my top five supporters in ministry, I'm very close to them. And they are close to my wife. Because why? They believe that I have something to offer. And guess what? I'll be a fool neglecting them, chasing what we so-called important people so that I can succeed. I rather focus and nurture the relationship with them. So I'm asking you, if you want to be successful, nurture the relationship that you have with people who already believe in you. Oh. I wish somebody could hear what I'm trying to say. Or I wish if somebody can really understand what I'm trying to say. It is your friends who believe in what you are doing. I can tell you, even some, uh, let me not go there. I have pastor friends who really believe in what I'm doing. I'm not going to mention them, but I can tell you, those are the relationships you nature. So when I am discouraged, for example, the first people who will say, no, 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 no. Don't even think about quitting ministry. Guess what? It's my friends. It's my family. And those I spend more time with. It is not people outside my circle far away. are those who are close. So, therefore, you have to really nurture the relationships that God has given you already, not the ones you don't have. I'd rather spend more time with an unknown pastor than a well-known pastor because he already believes in what I have. I know he can set me up for success in the ministry. He knows what I can do. He believes in what I can do. So anyway, so when, for example, when the budget is low for the church, let me tell you, the people who believe are the ones who know me, are the friends, are those who are close to me, not outside my circle. So I'm saying nurture the relationships you have and nurture the relationship you have with your mother. I remember, hey, this is a beautiful one, I can tell you. And my mother used to say, I took quite a while to get a car. These are people who believe in me. She was taking it upon her hands now that I'll buy you a car. And I'm going like, Wait, how are you going to buy the car? She said, we'll help you buy a car. Hallelujah and glory to God. So happy Mother's Day to my mother. And lastly, it was my sister who made sure I have taxi fare to go to school. So in other words, you seldom find people outside your close circle supporting your dreams and your aspiration. It's those who are close to you and glory to God. John 15 verse 14 to 15 in closing. I'm quick on this one. You are my friends if you keep on doing what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer. This is Jesus. He says, you are my friends. If you keep on doing what I command you, to uh, 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 command you, I do not call you servants any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you my friends because I have revealed to you everything that I've heard from the Father. So now, the people that you must concentrate on are people who call you friend, who call you my friend. Those are the people who are set by God to, to push you and propel you up. But not only that, if you don't have friends, don't despair. If you don't have people who don't believe in you, don't worry, don't despair. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. Jesus is a friend. He does not see us as just mere servant, but he sees us as friends. He's the one 
positioned and set by God to elevate you. If you want to be elevated, spend more time with Jesus. Spend your resources on the things of the Lord because Jesus will set you up. Jesus will give you the unusual advantage. You will have the advantage that nobody else because you will share this special relationship with Jesus that he will begin to reveal the things of God to you so that you can have advantage. For you to have advantage, you need to know the things of God. And Jesus can reveal the things of God for you. You get the fair advantage from a friend. His name is Jesus. You have no parents, don't worry. You have no mother, don't worry. You have no father, don't worry. You have no one to tend you to, don't worry. We have Jesus. Jesus can set us up. It is more powerful to spend time in your prayer room with Jesus than to spend time in conferences seeking things that will never advance you. One hour with Jesus in your prayer closet will set you up. I am not sure about seminars if they can set you up. Jesus. When you spend time with him in prayer, he will set you up. I'm calling you, come back to Jesus. He's the one who's positioned you to accelerate your success. He believes in you. This is how I know he believes in me. I have always said to him, Lord, if you believe in what I'm doing, you will provide the resources. He has never let us down. Here's another testimony in closing. We don't take and ask for offering in this ministry. We just share and share. But guess what? We have people supporting what we do. As I'm Speaking on this wonderful mic as a testimony, I didn't buy it with my own cash. People said we need better sound and they contributed towards that. That's God. That can only happen when you focus on Jesus. He can do things for you that no man can do for you. When you focus your eyes unto him, you young children and you youth and everybody who's young, take it from me. You'll save yourself a lot of pain and hurt when you begin to focus on Jesus. The sooner you do it, the better it is for you. He calls you friend. He gives you unfair advantage. And don't forget, he said, I am with you always. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, he says also, I have come so that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I have come so that you can have a life of abundance. So this friend called Jesus, he's positioned in your life for a life of abundance. That is why we love Jesus. Have a bond with Jesus greater than the bond of Jonathan and David. When the enemy is about to strike you, Jesus will inform you. He will plead on your behalf. The Bible says he is sitting at the throne of God right now as I'm talking, making intercession for us. When the enemy is about to strike, he says, no, 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 not this one. I have shed my blood for this one. To have the unfair advantage. I have never seen anyone who has Jesus in their lives in a legitimate way, who have a strong fellowship and relationship with Jesus fail. I've never seen that. Because why? Jesus never fails. When you're close to Jesus, you never fail. He never fails. 
And I'm here to say, that circle I mentioned, over and above that, what is more important? Nature, your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, through this period and beyond this period, you will always prosper, you will always succeed. Let's close our eyes and pray, we have run out of time.